Well, we, uh, we've been in a sermon series called Can't Google That, and uh, we're finishing it up this week. Wow. Uh, this, is, uh, this is our last installment of going through the book of Proverbs together. Many of you guys have kind of taken up that, um, the opportunity to read through the book of Proverbs, one proverb, a chapter a day, 31 chapters, 31 days, to get through the, uh, the whole book of Proverbs together. And so um, Solomon has talked about a whole bunch of different things, and we've just really kind of scratched the surface and took um, some of the main takeaways, but he's talked about the power of our words, the fear of God, uh, relationships, money, all that kind of stuff. Um, because what we've, the big, the big idea is this, that um, we have knowledge at our fingertips, right, through our phones or devices or Siri or Alexa or Hey Google, whatever. Um, but but what, we, what we fail to have is wisdom when it comes to things in life that matter most. And so that's what we've been mining out and, and, and taking a look at what Solomon has to say about wisdom for life. And so <clears throat> there's one thing that as we finish up this whole series that Solomon does not want us to miss. In fact, he actually tells us, don't miss this. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, this is what it says. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And this is so important uh, that in he, because he even says, that he says above all else. If, he says essentially if you take one thing that, that, that I've written down, that I've talked about out of this whole book, do this one thing, guard your heart. So the word guard in, in Hebrew, I was looking it up, there's, there's kind of different ways of saying it, is to watch over, to preserve, or to keep. So when he says guard your heart, he's saying watch over your heart, preserve your heart, keep your heart. Now, what I know to be true is this. We only guard things that are valuable, right? We don't guard things that are not valuable, whether that's valuable to us or valuable to other people. We don't guard things that aren't valuable. I had a 1993 teal Ford Ranger um, that, uh, that finally died. Thank you, Jesus. And... Um, and, and I, I, just, I just hoped that somebody would steal it. You know, like, you ever have a vehicle? Maybe not now, but you have a vehicle, you just leave the keys in. You don't even bother. You just, hopefully, Jesus, send a thief. You know what I mean? Like, you just, because you just, because it's, it's not valuable to you. You're just like, I could get more money from this from the insurance company if it was stolen. So I, I, I just, I don't I want this vehicle anymore. Because what we know is we only guard things that are valuable to us. We only put passwords on things or lock things that are, that are valuable or likely to be stolen. So that's why we put locks in, and guard our, our homes or our cars. If you've got a good, good one, uh, your kids, if they're good, uh, if you've got a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> cell phones, we put passwords on them, or, you know, optical eye scans or whatever so that, so that nobody can get in there. Um, our bank accounts, hopefully you have um, some passwords to guard some of those things. And Solomon says this to us, more than all of these things, in all of your guarding, you better be guarding your heart. It's interesting. And this isn't the only time that, that Solomon talks about the heart. He actually mentions, just in the book of Proverbs alone, he mentions the heart 97 times. Just through the 31 chapters of Proverbs, he talks about the heart, so it must be important. So what's he talking about? For some of us, maybe we haven't really ever talked about what the heart is. Well, he's not talking about that organ that beats in your chest, right? That's not what he's referring to when he says, guard your heart, like... Um, he's not referring to, to being heart healthy and keep your cholesterol down. Um, it, what he's actually saying is, is that uh, the ancient Hebrews saw that the heart was the center 
of our thoughts, the center of our emotions, the center of our, of our feelings, out of which action and behavior comes out of. So in our culture, we talk about like, well, you know, this is how I think, this is how I feel, this is what I'm passionate about. But the heart is the source behind all of that. It's, it's, the, it's the reason you feel the way you feel. It's the reason you're thinking the way you think. It's the reason you, you do the things that you do. We say, we, we say oftentimes, well, let's get to the heart of the matter, which essentially means uh, let, let's get to, down to what we're really talking about. You know, you may be in like, in, I don't know, you're in an argument with someone and they're like, well, you didn't show up, or you didn't pay me back, or you didn't do this. And you're kind of like, well, let's, let's get to what we're really talking about because I don't think it has to do with the fact that I was five minutes late. It has to do with something deeper than the fact that I was five minutes late. Let's get to the heart of the matter. That's what Solomon is referring to when he talks about our hearts. And then he says this in Proverbs 4.23, he says, for everything you do, catch this, everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from the heart. So in other words, your heart controls the direction of your life. That's what Solomon's talking about. It's the wellspring of all of our actions. The condition of your heart will automatically affect every aspect of your life. That's what he's talking about. So here's a couple things. If you're not guarding your heart, like Solomon says, guess who will attack it? <laughs> Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Catch this. Peter says, be alert, be sober-minded, be on guard from an attack. I don't know if you've ever wondered about this because like, I, I've never seen like someone getting mauled by a tiger and thought, well, it must be, must be the devil. Got him. Another one bites the dust. You know what I mean? Like we don't ever see somebody that's just like, we don't think of the, the, the devil prowling around trying to physically kill us and dismember us. Like that's not what we think about. But when we read this, we're left with like, okay, then, then how does he devour us? What's he after? How's he attacking us? And I would argue he attacks your heart. It's always about the heart. That's what he's after because he knows that if he can get to your heart, if he can get you to lose heart, then he renders us useless. And not only does he render us useless, we can be doing more for the cause of him than for the cause of Christ. If he can get to our hearts. Not only that, you can be following Jesus and still have a heart attack. You know that? You can, you can be following Jesus and still find that your heart gets attacked. We find this in, you know, just biblically, not only in our own, in our own lives, we find this with, with, uh, with Peter, you know, he's, he's talking to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm, uh, all this stuff, and Peter says, no, I'm not going to let that happen, that's not going to happen, and Jesus looks at him, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. In other words, you've allowed, you've allowed Satan to so take over your heart and speak to your heart, lies to your heart, that you're believing a lie. So get out of here, get, get thee behind me, Satan. There's another story uh, in Acts chapter 5 of, um, well, you, 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 may have, you may have heard of it, um, Ananias and Sapphira, right? Um, it, it, it's just, it's, it's interesting. He talks about, um, I'm going to give you kind of a thumbnail sketch of what, what happened. They sold a piece of property, and uh, they decided to, to keep back part of it, uh, part of the money for themselves. And then they brought in their offering, and they acted like it was the whole, the full amount, Right? In Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter says, Ananias, 
how is it that Satan has so filled your what? Your heart. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now, if you know the rest of the story, it didn't go well for Ananias or his sweet wife, Sapphira, right? But Peter focuses on the heart of the matter. This is what I love about it. He focuses on, on what's really going on. Yeah, he's talking about the lie. He's talking about the money and all that kind of stuff. But he's, what he's really saying is you have not guarded your heart. And so Satan has filled your heart. You've believed a lie, and now you're lying to us. It is so important for us as Christians to guard our hearts. So I'm going to run through these if you're taking notes. Um, if it's so important for us to guard our hearts, um, how do you check your heart? So I want to go through this today and just talk about, like, what does it look like to give yourself a, a good heart checkup? Because I think that it's, 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 it's so important for us to guard our hearts. But for so many of us, it's like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? How does that practically look like in the life of a believer? How do we check our hearts? The first point is this. Know your heart. Know your heart. Know it. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then he says this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, your mouth will tell you what is in you. You catch that? Because it speaks out what your heart's full of. And if we're gut level honest, we know this to be true. We've seen it in our, in our life or in the people that we love. We've watched people throw away the career because they, they, they can't control their mouth. We've watched people implode their marriages because they can't control their mouth. We know people who no one wants to be around in relationship because they cannot contain their mouth. If you're taking notes, I wrote this down. If you want to know what your heart is speaking, listen to what you're Mouth is leaking. It rhymes. I made it up. It's pretty good, huh? It's one of my best. I wrote that down. I was like, I just dropped the pen and walked away. It's like, I'm done. It needs to go on. I'm just going to say, that needs to go on a mug if, or something. If you want to know what your heart is speaking, listen to what your mouth is leaking. It's so true. And, and, here's, and here's the kicker. It's one thing to just be like, okay, well, you know, the things that are coming out of my mouth, yes, it's speaking about something that's going on in my heart. It's not just about the things that we actually say. Sometimes it's about the things that we think about saying. <laughs> you ever, like, have those thoughts? You're like, thank Jesus I never had the opportunity to say anything, right? Like, I'm so glad I never, the words never left, so I'm not held accountable to them. So, Pastor Justin, are you telling me that I'm held accountable for the things that I didn't say, but I thought about saying, but I didn't actually have the opportunity to say? Is that what you're telling me? Because this isn't going to be good for me if that's what you're telling me, right? Now, here's the thing. It should be a red flag in our life, right? The things, the thoughts that go through our head, just because you don't say them doesn't mean that, you, oh, everything's all good. Matthew chapter 15, he says this. This is Jesus. He says, he's trying to explain this whole idea of, like, how a heart works in the mouth. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So, so here's the thing. Just because you put duct tape over your mouth 
doesn't mean that your heart is healthy. Do you get that? Just because you're like, and you just, you decide to go live as a hermit does not mean that it's actually dealt with your heart or that everything's all fine. You know, sometimes maybe you, maybe this is hitting a little too close to home because you just had Thanksgiving. But like, if you're just like, you know what, I, it's fine. I'm just never going to speak to my sister as long as I live, but we're all good. Like everything's fine. I'm just never going to answer her phone calls. I'm never going to wish her happy birthday. We're not talking as far as, as far as I know, she's dead to me, but there's nothing wrong with my heart right? <laughs> it got a little quiet in here. Um, because, because what we know to be true is that just because you don't say it doesn't mean that that means that your heart is all good. Have you ever had a knockdown, drag-out fight in your mind? <laughs> and you always win, don't you? You win those because you rock at those fights, don't you? Like, I mean, it usually ends with a person crying in your mind, and they're like, you're so right in your mind, and everything works out good, and, and, and then they're just like, they praise you for being so insightful about their dysfunction. Like, that normally is how these knockdown, dragout fights go in our minds. And you think, well, like, but I never actually said any of those things, so I'm all good. My heart's totally, totally fine. And then, and then something leaks, because we all leak. <laughs> something leaks out of us. You think, well, that wasn't me. I don't know. A swear word comes out, and you're like, <laughs> excuse me. Right? Like, I don't even know what that, never heard of that word before. I don't even know where that came from. You know, like, must have heard it on television, right? That nasty television. Like, you know, you, you, all of a sudden, a sharp comment comes out of nowhere, and you're like, man, I have no, no idea with that. I, that, whew, man, that wasn't me. Or, or a sarcastic, cutting remark comes out, and you're just like, man, I just, you know, wow, I didn't even mean anything by it. They really overreacted. Like, that was weird, right? Huh. No one in here deals with that, I'm sure. Uh, a hurtful judgment comes out, and uh, you're like, well, that, that just wasn't me. Now, here, here. It is you. <laughs> That's you. It's you. It's coming out, and you don't like it, because you've been trying to keep that thing stuffed in and cranked in and... But it's you. It's you. If it isn't you, then the answer to that question, who could it be, is even more weird. <laughs> Let me just say, your best bet is admitting that it's you. Because the alternative is like, you got multiple personalities or something. Like you got something else going on. What if, what if we just saw it for what it really was and be like, yeah, you know what? I got something going on. Like, there's something going on in my heart. It, it was me. It wasn't some brief lapse of, 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 of my sanity. It wasn't temporary insanity. I have no idea who that was. That couldn't have been me. No, no, no. What if it was just you, and we saw it as a flag, as a symptom, that your heart is speaking, what your mouth is leaking? What if we saw it for what it really was? Because... This is what Solomon's point is. The first part of guarding your heart is to know your heart. You've got to know your heart. You've got to be in touch with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. I love, he says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Who knows? Nobody can know your heart but you and the Lord. Nobody can know your heart but you. And we're all different. All of us. So, 
Here's the question. In light of your past experiences and your current circumstances and your future hopes and dreams, like where, where, where does Satan trip you up the most? I mean, if you're really in touch with, with, with where things are and where things have been and where you'd like to be and all this stuff, do you know your heart? Where does Satan trip you up? Because if we're truly honest, we're gut level honest with ourselves, the things that we deal with, the issues of life, don't just sneak up on us and come out of nowhere. If you really start looking at it, why? Because Satan tempts us appropriately. He tempts us appropriately. What, I, what do I mean by that? It means that the things that he's going to tempt you about, he may not be tempting me about. Why? Because they're just not a temptation in my life. And the things that tempt me, you'll be like, are you serious? That's not even a temptation for me. Why? Because Satan tempts us appropriately. So, know your heart. Know your heart. Not the heart of the person next to you. You can't be responsible for that. You can know your heart. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Listen to what your mouth is leaking <laughs> and own your own journey. That's the first part of guarding your heart is to know your heart. The second point is this. Reset your heart. Reset your heart. How many of you guys know that our God is a God of second chances? Amen? Isn't that a good news for you today? Man, I'll tell you, I, I, I mean, it's second chance and third chance and fourth chance. I think I'm on my hundredth chance. Like, God is always a God of second chances, right? That, that he not only tells us to check our hearts, but, but he actually gives us and provides us the way to be able to make our heart in line with his heart. So he doesn't just look at us and say, man, you're really like stinking at this whole life thing. Like, you've got this messed up and you're messed up here and you messed up here. So like, you should probably get these things figured out. So good luck with that. No, 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 no. He actually provides a way out. That's the God that we serve. He doesn't just leave us high and dry and point out all the red things like a teacher saying red, 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 and walk away and say, fix all these mistakes. I love how it's said in Ezekiel 36. This is the message paraphrase. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I, I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the, the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you. Let me say that again. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible. Not just, I'm not going to put my spirit in you and, and you're going to figure it out. And make it possible for you, for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. So, if I just receive Jesus, then, then he gives me a new heart. The Bible says, you know, he's going to take off the old and put on the new. And this is, this is great news. But this is the question that I have rolling around in the inside of me. And maybe you do too then why is it that when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, why is it that when, when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in me, why is it that he doesn't just automatically fix all of my dysfunction? Why is it that, that, that my family is still, wow, wow, I went to, wow. You know what I mean? Why, why is it, that, why is it that, that my marriage isn't all, all, all fixed? Why is it that, that more, more than all the things outside of my, my life, why is it that I still find myself wanting to go back to the old way of life rather than dwelling in this new heart that God says he's given me? Ephesians chapter four, this is what Paul says. He's kind of talking about this same idea. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Put it off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds 
and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What I find is that his mercies are new every morning. We are called to reset our hearts, to put on the new self. Like when you wake up, you put your feet on the floor. God, Lord, I thank you that you have made me a new creation. And so I put on this new heart that you've given me, God. I pray that I, as, I, as I put this on, I'm going to wear you like a suit today. I'm going to wear you like clothing. Why? Because this is my identity. This is who I am. But I am choosing this day. I'm not going to go and follow after my old ways. I'm following after who you say that I am. Amen? There's, there's, this, there's this whole idea. This means that, that there's a responsibility. This isn't just some sort of like one and done when I came up to an altar and like Jesus fixed everything. No, there's this responsibility to, to, to keep my, my mind set on things above and not just to do it once, but to be, keep setting and to keep on setting, to guard and to keep on guarding, to, to, to preserve and keep on preserving, to keep and keep on keeping, to pray and keep on praying, to submit and keep on submitting. There's this whole idea where it's not a one and done thing that we're supposed to continue in what it is that God has put before us. James 4, 7, he says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We love that scripture. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But this is not a one-and-done thing. This is not a one-and-done. This is a commitment. This is a dedication. We don't, we don't resist the devil today and then tomorrow run to him for comfort. Hmm. I wrote this down. It says, don't ask God to protect you from the enemy that you're running to. Don't do it. Pastor Justin, like, what does that even look like? What are you talking about? How am I asking God to protect me from the enemy that I'm running to? Well, it's kind of, it looks like this. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just guard me from negativity, and yet we're running to gossip. Did you get the news? Did you, oh, you heard? Oh, she said, you did? Oh, did you see her? She came. Oh, my God. Lord, guard me from negativity. Lord, Lord, guard me from, from lust, and yet you're running and making no provision to guard yourself from pornography. Hmm. Lord, guard me from anger, and yet I'm running to things that are, that are just trying to cope and manage anger rather than turning to God. Don't ask God to protect you from the enemy that you're running to. Because what I find, the longer I live, is this, that unless you despise it, you will be tempted to go back to it. When it comes to sin in your life, I'm just being real with you. You know, like, Lord, I pray that you protect me from this, protect me from this. But if you're not really despising it, you'll be tempted to go back to it. You will. We, we see this time and time again. We, we, we look at the Israelites. I mean, they're a bunch of yahoos, right? I mean, my goodness. Like, this, this whole thing, they, 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 get, they get freed, they, literally the, the Red Sea splits, they walk across, all their enemies die on the other side. It's like, hallelujah. And then they get hungry. <laughs> and then they get hungry, and this is what happens. We see this in uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Remember then, when we were slaves? He says, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Slavery was awesome, right? But you've brought us into this desert through miracle, right? 
to starve this entire assembly to death. What? So what's going on? Well, they start reminiscing about the good old days of being slaves in Egypt. Good old days when we were mistreated and abused. Good old days when we were whipped. Good old days when we sat around pots of meat. What? What? And they were willing and wanting to go back to slavery because they were hungry in the moment. Because unless you despise it, you'll be tempted to go back to it. Reset your heart. Reset your heart. The third point is this. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. So know your heart. Reset your heart. And guard your heart. This is how we check. Do a kind of a heart check. Solomon says it as a command, by the way. He doesn't say it as like, hey, I had a good idea. Maybe if you wanted to, if you thought it might be cool, maybe you could then, maybe then guard your heart. No, he says guard your heart. Above all else. If you do anything else, guard your heart. In order to guard, I was thinking about this. Um, you have to do two different things if you're a guard, right? You have to work on the defensive and the offensive. There's, t- there's two things when it comes to guarding. So the first thing is you got to be on defense. In other words, you're vigilant, you're sober-minded, you're watching, you're waiting, you're seeing if there's any threats that come, that come your way. Now, that's part of guarding. The second part of guarding is that when that threat does come and it knocks on your door, you stand up and fight. Do you know that? You don't just say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, somebody's coming, somebody's coming. Oh, they knock you out, right? Like that. No, you're, you're given weapons t- t- to use, right, that we're supposed to use as, as we're guarding something. So let's, let's break this, these two things down. The first one is this. What do we defend? How do we defend? What does it look like to defend our hearts, and what do we need to defend them from? Matthew chapter 15 says this, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, He says, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Now, I don't know about you. I'm pretty simple, but I read this, and I I read the first part. It says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. And then he lists all these actions. I thought we were talking about thoughts here. He's like, these are not thoughts. These are actions. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. He says, well, but here's the reality. Every action is born in our hearts. Every action is born in our thoughts. And then it turns into a mindset, and that mindset plays it out into behavior. This is how it all begins. And so given this scripture, I was like boiling it down to to kind of four things that we can can manage that that Jesus is talking about in in Matthew chapter 15. He says that these are some things that will give you a heart attack. So I'm going I'm to lay out four things. Like, if, if the doctor told you, hey, you need to stay away from these four things or you're going to be susceptible for a heart attack, you'd probably, you'd probably, except for Thanksgiving, you'd probably try to stay away from it. Maybe some of you would be like, I don't care, doc. It's my time to go, right? But you'd probably try to stay away from those four things, right? Because you don't, you don't want to have a heart attack. So I'm going to outline these four things for you. The first one is guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. And if you're taking notes, we're going to run through these. How do we defend ourselves from each one of these? These are some things that Jesus is like, look, it, these are some things that are going to give you a heart attack. These are the things that start out in your heart and will play themselves out and leak out into your life. They will create chaos and destruction in your life and in the life of people around you. So the first one is this, guilt. Guilt says, I owe you. 
you'd be amazed at how much of life can be interpreted through guilt. How many things that we can do out of guilt taking root in our life, right? Guilt leads to secret keeping. Guilt leads to dishonesty. You know, it's like, what's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. How long are we going to keep this up? Probably as long as we're married. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Like, like you know, you, you just get dishonest because you don't want to actually talk about the things that are going on in your heart. So you know, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. Because gu- guilt seeps into our words and it still seeps into our relationships. And it gets, it gets all over. Because when guilt takes root in our heart, well, we get bound up and then we start self-sabotaging. We self-sabotage relationships. Well, I don't deserve this, and so I'm just going to reject them before they reject me. So I'm, I, I'm, I, or, we, or we reject God. We, we start self-sabotaging our, or walk away from our relationship with God because of guilt. What? We see this in Adam and Eve. What? They bite from the, from the tree, from the knowledge of good and evil. What's the first thing they do? Adam, Eve, where are you? Go, go, get down. Right? They're hiding. They try to separate themselves from God because of guilt. That's guilt. The second one is this. Anger. Anger says this. Anger says, you owe me. You owe me. In other words, you took something from me, and you're either going to pay it back or I'm going to pay you back. The problem with anger is that it leaks, probably more than the other ones, it leaks into all of our other relationships. And so what ends up happening when, when we see anger kind of prowling around us, trying to just look for a weak spot to be able to devour us, when we see anger kind of like hanging out or even like taking, trying to take root in our life, you end up blaming everyone for everything because someone has to pay. Someone has to pay for what happened to me. Someone has to pay for what she did or she didn't do or what he did or what they should have done Somebody's going to pay for this. And so what ends up happening, it leaks out into other relationships. you're, You're so upset with your boss, but the actual thing that he did or she did was not because of something that they actually did. Like your reaction far outweighs the thing that actually happened, but because of what your last boss did or your spouse did or your last boyfriend, what they did, now you're bringing it out into and holding people hostage for things that they never took. Plays out in marriages. Things on workplace and friendships. We hold people hostage for things that they never took because anger says, you owe me something and I'm going to hold you over you until you pay me back or I'm going to pay you back. Anger. Greed. Third one, greed. Greed says, I owe me. I owe me. This is what we talked about last week. We kind of did a whole sermon on greed and generosity. That greed is when I assume that what comes to me is for me. Everything that, that, that I receive comes to me and it's all for me. The paycheck that I give, it comes to me and it's for me. Greed, greed just kind of makes this assumption that everything that comes, comes through my hands is for me. Because I need more tickets. I need more money. I need more of my stack so that I will have enough for my needs and my wants both now and in the future. I need to have more of these things. And I know that other people have needs. I know that they do. I know that God calls me to be generous, but I just don't have enough yet to be able to give. And I don't know if I ever will. 
And when guilt, or when greed is creeping around us, prowling around us, looking to devour us, it becomes a filter through which we see life. Greed. The fourth one. Fourth one is this. Um, jealousy. Jealousy says, life owes me. Life owes me. In other words, somebody else got what I deserve. Somebody else got what I deserve. Now, this is the... We, we, we can talk about jealousy, and a lot of times we're like, oh, you're just comparing yourself to other people. I, I'm not as pretty as she is, or, you know, I, I, I like his car, and I wish that, that I had that. I, I, I work hard, and I, should, I deserve that car, and they got something that, that I... Here's, here's the real ugly part, the, the stuff that, that you're never actually going to ever admit, so I'm just going to say it. When we get to the point where... I celebrate other people's failures. When, when somebody else has a loss and there's just like a little smile on the inside of me. Why? Because maybe they didn't get everything that I should have gotten. Maybe there is equity in the universe, right? And we don't want to admit that. I know, I, I, you're like, just that's sick. You're a sicko. I know. That's, that's demented. I know, yeah. But it's where jealousy will take you. If you don't guard it, if you allow it to circle around and attack you, I'm telling you, when it takes root in your heart, you'll find yourself celebrating other people's failures and losses. Jealousy. So, if you've got any of these, these are red flags, right? These are things that just kind of like pop up in you. They're like, and Jesus says they will eventually leak out of you. Whether you think you got these things controlled or not, they'll eventually leak out. So he says, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts from guilt, from anger, from greed and jealousy. Now, when you see it, when, when, when it comes knocking on your doorstep, when you see it prowling around and all of a sudden it comes at you, and it will, you're like, well, it hasn't yet. Okay, just wait. It will. There'll be a scenario. There'll be a situation. I'm just, it will. Well, it never has. Oh, then you're due, right? It will. Every single one of these will come around knocking at your door, seeing if you're going to answer. Knock, knock. Who's there? Nobody. Just come on in, right? We'll find ourselves. If you find yourself in, this, in these situations, what do you do? You stand up and fight. Part of guarding is fighting. It's not sitting back and being like, oh, no, oh, 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 bad, oh, bad, bad, bad. Oh, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Part of, part of guarding is standing up and fighting. But here's the question that we wrestle with. How do I fight something I can't see? If it was somebody, I could just punch them, shoot them, do something. I could, I could neutralize them. But what if it's something that I can't see? What am I supposed to do when it's these, these weird guilt, anger, greed, jealousy? Like, what does that even look like? How do, I, how do I war against that? Now, here's the good thing. The Bible gives you, actually, tools of warfare that you can use to guard your heart. Now, just listen, because you, you may not be that excited after I start going through these, but here's the thing. The Bible gives us these. These are things that are readily at your disposal, or at your disposal as, as a Christian. And if you start using some of these weapons of warfare in your life, it will not only make your life better, it will make you better at life. Okay? So, the first one is this. What do we do with guilt? How, what's our weapon? Confessing. Confession. 
Now, I, I grew up like, uh, <laughs> I grew up thinking that confession was something that I just did with God or with somebody behind a wall with a little screen, like in a confessional booth. That was confession to me. And here's what I learned. God already knew. He wasn't like, are you, you did what? Are you kidding me right now? Who's not, come on guys, give me a clue here. You know, he's, not, he's not up in heaven saying like, I had no idea. No, so God already knew. And not only that, the man behind the curtain couldn't help me. Couldn't help me. I, I, that's what confession was to me, though. I was telling God what he already knew or telling some, hello, someone behind a screen. I had no idea. God already knew, and, 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 and this guy couldn't help me. Now, when it comes to, when it comes to confession, I, I just want to encourage you. If you want to deal with, with guilt head on, confess it. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, confess it. Confess to the person that you hurt. Confess to the person that you stole from. Well, wait a minute. I was liking guilt now, actually. Guilt sounds good to me, right? No, at least confess it to a trusted Christian friend that can help you lead you through the process, right? But confess it. Why do I say confess it? Because when we confess with our mouths, not just with our minds, confess it with my mind. No, we, with your mouth. What happens is one of two things. Either sin will embarrass you or you will embarrass sin. And when we hide and we think, oh, maybe no one will ever find out. Maybe they'll never know it was me. Maybe I'll be able to hide. I'm telling you what, what's done in secret always comes out into the light and sin will embarrass you. Or you can decide, you know what, I'm just going to confess it. Why? Because I got nothing to lose. So I'm going to embarrass sin. I'm going to embarrass sin. I won't wait and wait and allow for this thing to to overtake me and and to embarrass me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the offensive. That's how you fight. You want to fight guilt? Confess. It's powerful. The second one is this. What do we do with anger? Forgive. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah, Pastor. Um, forgive. What is forgiveness? It's figuring out what somebody owes you and then saying, you don't owe me anymore. That's forgiveness. When it comes to money, that's what you do. You figure out, okay, you owe me this much of money. Uh, you don't owe me anymore. It's the same thing. That's what forgiveness is. It's actually taking a look at what somebody owes you and saying, I'm canceling your debt. Now, why would you want to do that? That sounds crazy. Why would you want to do that? Because what we find is that we hold things over people that they could never pay back even if they wanted to. Well, you owe me my childhood or you owe me my purity or you owe... They couldn't give it back even if they wanted to and that's a big question mark if they'd even want to. So... But Jess, I, I feel like I'm, I'm letting somebody off the hook. You are. You are. And you're also letting someone else off the hook. You. You. Because you get to this place where you get to say, you know what? This isn't going to rule my life anymore. I'm not going to allow the stupid stuff that people have done to me in my life to control the direction of my life. It's not going to play itself out in my kids. It's not going to play itself in this marriage. It's not going to play itself in my family anymore. I'm choosing to forgive. Why? So that I can move forward. Because I'm holding something over them that they could never even pay back even if they wanted to. So, cancel the debt. You want to start fighting anger? Fiercely forgive. Fiercely forgive. 
The third one is this. What do we do with greed? Give. <laughs> this is a good one. I love it because it's so simple, but it's like, uh, Pastor, I was hoping you could like hocus pocus pray it out of me. I was, I got the, I got a greed problem. I was hoping I could come up and then I could say I was sorry and you'd just be like, oh, it's okay, hocus pocus, it's gone. I was kind of hoping that was going to be the, I, I thought it was going to be greed, hocus pocus. That's what I was, I was kind of hoping you could just pray this out. Now, here's the reality. You want to fight greed? Be generous. <laughs> Write the check. Well, I was kind of thinking maybe take something precious and give it away. Take something precious to you, sell it, and give the money away. Wow. Because here's the thing that happens. The stuff that's so important to you that you're like, oh, you can, you, uh, this is mine, this, the, thank you, this is mine. Uh, uh, the, you can look, but don't touch this. Kids, lock up everything. Please, this needs to stay clean. This is, first of all, people start looking and saying, I think you actually care more about the things than you do me. Um, that's kind of a hint for the agreed issue in your life, Right? And here's the other reality. If you don't give it away, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go away because 100% of you have mortality running in your family. I'm just, you're like, what? 100% of you are going to go. Right, so here's the thing. I know it's important to you now. I know it's, I know it's good and you want to keep it clean. I, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But what's going to happen is you're going to go and your wife, your husband, your kids, they're going to sell it. And they're not going to get what it's worth. They're going to get taken on Craigslist, and you're going to be like, no, from heaven, right? Like, no, what are you doing, right? Because the things that are so important to us now become junk later. They do. They do. So you want to, you want to, you want to go after greed? Be generous now. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The way that we fight greed is through generosity. That's how it works. You want to stick it to the devil in this area of your life, be generous and set yourself free. <laughs> okay, I'll move on. <clears throat> You're like, what's the, the fourth one, Pastor? Okay, the fourth one is this. Um, what do we do with jealousy? Celebrate. Celebrate. If you struggle with comparing yourself, the comparison game, right? Choose to celebrate other people's wins. Choose to celebrate them. So the question is, like, who, who do you look to or who do you think that has gotten what you deserve to get? And figure out a way to celebrate them out loud. Out loud. So, so maybe you, 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 write, you write a letter, you know, uh, congratulations on getting the job promotion that I should have gotten. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> congratulations. You deserve it, but I think I probably should have gotten. No, no, no. Just congratulations on a much-deserved promotion. There you go. Celebrate other people's wins. So much of this is just deciding I'm going to operate in the opposite spirit of this. What's the opposite of guilt and greed and, and, and jealousy and anger? I'm going to operate in those opposite spirits. That's how you break that hold over you in your life. Those are the weapons of your warfare. Amen?
It's saying Jesus, or it's saying, it's saying jealousy. You're no longer my master. I'm not going to allow you to have a root over me anymore. I'm going to celebrate others. Why don't you stand with me? Now, some of the things that might be going through your head right now, because they go through my head, so it's so funny. I think about what you might be thinking about. Um, <clears throat> is this, like, well, pastor, like, I agreed with some of what you said. Um, my husband should hear the other ones. You know, but, like, I agree with it. Uh, I like some of those points that you made. And here's the thing, Pastor Justin, like, I already dealt with that um, six years ago at Encounter. Like, I did that. And the other one I, I dealt with two years ago down here at the altar, like, like, so that's good, but I, I, I agree with it. It's good for all the other people, the sinners in here to, to hear. But, like, um, but I, I, I just want you to know, like, I, I've dealt with that. Now, now, here's the thing, and probably this is one of the most important things for you to be able to grasp. So, so I have you stand up so I know you're not sleeping, is this. It is important for you to realize that when Solomon talks about guarding your heart, it is not a moment in time. It is a process over a lifetime. So you don't get to just kind of do it one and done and think, oh, yeah, I already dealt with that guilt thing. I did that 10 years ago, and I got no more of that. And I, I already dealt with greed, and I gave it over to Jesus, and so now I don't deal with it. No, here's the thing. The devil is not a respecter of persons either. He will tempt you appropriately, though. And so he's walking around. He's just looking. He's just prowling around. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't think, oh, you already dealt with that? Oh, okay, I guess I'll try someone else, right? No, 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 no. He's prowling around looking to get you. So know your heart. I was, um, I was thinking about this. I don't really play the guitar. My wife does. She tried teaching me. And then she realized I was just trying to uh, get her to date me. <laughs> it worked. It worked. It worked. I don't care. It worked. Um, it's true. Now, the thing, the thing with the guitar, uh, these, things, these things are funny funny things, this one's really funny because it's got a hole in it, um, is that, uh, that you, 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 you set and tune it. So you use one of these tuners and you can tune and, and like pluck one, turn it, turn it. So you get it tuned to what it should sound like. And then you can decide to go put this away and uh, you can come back next week and you go to go play again. Like let's say I was on the band. That would be a horrible idea. But let's say I was on the band and I, and I pick it up. I haven't touched it in a week. Haven't, haven't even done anything. And then I just decide. I'm just going to start playing. I'm just going to do this. I love you, Lord. And I lay... I, are you off? You're a little off there. Yeah, you, the tall one. Uh, lift my voice. Sound like that little kid in Walmart. Um, now, here's the thing. What ends up happening is that it goes out of tune. Do you realize that if, you, if you're going to own a stringed instrument like this, you need to not just tune it once. It's not a one-time, set it and forget it. This is a tune and keep on tuning. This is a guard and keep on guarding. Keep and keep on keeping. Preserve and keep on preserving. Right? And not only that, you need to have the tuner to be able to even know what it's supposed to sound like in the first place. So I have to tune it, not just to... You need to tune it to the tuner so that you know what it is that it's supposed to sound like. And I'll tell you what, your heart is just like that. Your heart's just like it. It's, it's, this, it's not that once I'm going to set it and forget it. Psalm 119 verse 112 says this, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. 
forever to the very end. And I love how it says this, I've inclined my heart. You catch that? I've inclined my heart. In other words, I'm leaning my heart to perform your statutes. What that means to me is this, we don't incline our hearts on Sunday and then recline the rest of the week. We don't come and, Jesus, I need you to tune me up. Tune me up. Lord, I want to be able to be in tune with your spirit, God. And then the rest of the week, we recline. We go back and we think that we're going to pick right back up, right where we left off next Sunday. Yes, it's going to go. And what do we sound like? I don't even want to play it. All of a sudden, your marriage starts sounding like that. Your family starts sounding like that. Your life. And, and, and this is why it's so important to have people in your life that love you enough to say, dude, you're off tune. No, I'm not. Yeah, it's bad, right? Do you have somebody in your life that's willing to say, like, this is really this is really off. Like, you need to have someone in your life that you trust enough that can say, no, you really need to, like, get this thing tuned up. That it's important for us to keep our hearts set, our minds set on things above, set on God. Keep your heart in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because he says, above all else, guard your heart. Because what you have your mind set on will change your mindset. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, in the message paraphrase, is this. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things that are right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the action is. See things from his perspective. See things from his perspective. And so my question to you this morning is this. How's your heart? How's your heart? Anyone you need to forgive? Anything you need to confess? Is there anything going on on the inside of you that you just need to start attacking and going after? Any, anyone that you need to start celebrating the wins of? And here's the, here's the hard part for us. And this is what we've dealt with this entire series as we've been talking about wisdom, is this. What do I do when I know the right thing to do, when I know the wise thing to do, and yet my heart is not in match with that? What do I do when I know I, I'm sitting in the seat of the, of, of the fool and I want to sit in the seat of the wise, but my heart isn't caught up yet to that which I know to be true? What do you do when there's a gap between your, your head and your heart? What do you do when you're, when you're in this place of like, I, I want to do these things and, and I agree with you on a Sunday and then I back off and I go back on a Monday and I just don't know what to do from there on out. I don't, I'm not seeing the change that I'm, that I'm wanting to see. And I just want to read to you in Psalm chapter 42. It's one of the most gut-wrenching psalms that, that David has to, has to write down. And he's literally, we catch this little like, instance of him kind of just essentially, literally in a, in, a, in a fight with himself. And he's telling his heart, line up with the Spirit of God. He says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? In other translations, it says, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And then he tells his heart, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Sometimes you just got to get to a point of desperation where you just say, you know what? I'm going to proclaim with my mouth that which is in my heart. So I'd love if we could just make that a declaration over us today. If you could just say it with me, start it out. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? 
Say it like you mean it. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can truly make a decision to put on the new self, to rely on your Holy Spirit to make the changes that need to be made in our life. And so, so I just want to ask for those of you in here right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to. God's been, you know, just kind of been kind of gnawing it at this thing for a while now. But you just know that you know that you know that God's speaking to you. I just want you to raise your hand. It's between you and Jesus. Just raise your hand like, God, I'm hearing you right now. I got you. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Just raise it up high. Just identify it. Say, God, this, I know it. 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 As we sing this last song, what I want to encourage you to do is to draw, draw a line. And I know it's just kind of like drawing a line in the sand, but draw a line and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to choose this day to step over, and I'm not going back. And I, I, Lord, I, I know I'm going to need you, and I'm going to be jumping off, and I don't know what's, what's on the other side of this, but Lord, I'm choosing to put my trust in you. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in you. I will praise you again. And so I just want to encourage you as we sing this last song, if God's speaking to you, I just want to encourage you to step out of your seat. Even right now, as you want to kind of make your way up here, you come along up the sides and just allow yourself to be able to come in the presence of God and say, Jesus, I'm stepping over this line today. I'm not going back and I'm choosing this day whom I will serve. And I'm not going back and I'm not going to ask you to protect me from things that I'm running to because I'm running so hard after you, Lord. And maybe this is the first time for you of making a decision of running after Jesus. I just want to encourage you, step out of your seat and come on up and consecrate yourself, dedicate yourself to say, Jesus, I am dedicated to see you reign supreme in my marriage. I'm dedicated to see you reign supreme in my life, in my work, in my family, with my kids. Lord Jesus, in my health. God, you take it. You take it. You take it. You take it. Lord, I pray that even now you would be drawing people to yourself drawing people to the heart of God, giving them boldness to be able to step over that line for themselves. As we sing, draw them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can't help but think in a message like this that there's something called the fruit of the Spirit. And the one that sticks out to me is that there's something called self-control. And either guilt and jealousy and anger are going to control us or by the grace of God, we're going to have self-control and we're going to walk by the grace of God. Amen. So I just want to declare today, you're going to walk by the grace of God. You're going to walk in self-control and you're just going to see God move in your life afresh this week. And if you have faith for that, just shout amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.